Welcome to What's Your Beef? Each week, we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, I'm Jane Cudahy and this is What's Your Beef? Today, we're chatting with Cherie Gooding. Cherie is a cattle vet based in central Queensland, but has spent time working with wildlife in Africa, practising vet science in the UK and judging at any number of beef shows around the state. She's also a recent convert to all things soil related, which is a delicious and fascinating journey I can't wait to talk about. But while she spent time all over the world, Cherie has done a full circle and come home to settle outside Biloela in central Queensland at the family's Charbray Stud, which of course she runs in her spare time. Hello, Cherie. Hi, Jane. I just let's start at the beginning because we do. We, as I said, we, you have sort of done a full circle. So, you grew up in Central Queensland, and I, I, I'm assuming you know the the call to the beef industry came early. Yeah, mum and dad. Um, I've been brought up on a cattle and cropping property, and mum and dad had hay um, and a charolais stud when I was a kid, and it was just a flow-on effect, really from mum and dad always having cattle, doing the show circuits um, with the stud and getting involved in um, junior beef shows and the likes that were available to us here locally that we were so fortunate to have. You grew up with three brothers, so that would have been a a fairly good um, working relationship too. I'd imagine you'd all be fairly involved. Yeah, I mean, when we were younger, obviously we all had to chip in, as happens on farms with kids and lots of things going on Um, and then things have continually evolved and look it's by by no means been smooth sailing as happens in family operations as uh, things progress and people get married and we all get older and um, now it's yeah it literally has come full circle I've ended up coming home um, initially just to work as a vet here locally where I bought into the local practice and have since sold out of the local practice. And, and now, You're closing um, circles all over the place here, Sherry. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, now I've come home full-time um, and you, there's been a few things that have played a part in that. Um, one of my brothers passed away and a couple, my other two brothers um, are working in other industries now. Wow. Well, we have plenty of time to get into all facets of, of some of those things, but I guess what made you want to study vet? So you said that, you know, you all grew up around um, cropping and beef, but you went the vet route to start with. I think for me it was just an addiction to animals as a child. <laughs> um, I was that kid that had every baby animal that, um, you know, the bird that fell out of the nest and Mum and Dad always read wildlife as well, so we had joeys and possums and all sorts of things growing up um, and just being surrounded by it. And my two prerequisites, I guess, for going to university and furthering my education were animals and being outside. So that was vet. And um, environmental science was actually my backup. And it's uh, quite ironic that in recent years, um, you know, that's, uh, become very much a part of what I do as a vet and on the farm now. So where do, let's start with the vet because we'll come back to, to what you're doing on the farm and, and how that's working. So 
you studied vet and then you, as vets, young vets do, travelled all over the place, but you, st- you did spend some time in Africa and the UK early on, didn't you? Yes. So I, after graduation, I headed for Longreach. Um, I had my fixed-wing pilot's licence and did a bit of flying um, as a flying vet for the Longreach Veterinary Clinic and cut my teeth out there. It was very much a sink or swim scenario <laughs> Um, out there, very busy little practice and um, often the three vets would be heading in different directions every day. And then after um, a little while and actually a plane accident, I then um, decided, bug this, and headed overseas and went exploring. I worked in the UK for a while in a mixed practice and then with family um, in Zimbabwe, I stopped off in Zimbabwe to visit them. And um, they were in the middle of a terrible economic situation then in 2007, 8, 2008, and which is happening again now, um, where inflation was a thousand percent and you had to sort of um, withdraw your money that day and spend it all the same day or it was worth nothing by that night. Mm. So I put out an email just saying, um, I'm a vet and if anyone needs a hand, let me know. And I ended up at an elephant orphanage, which also did anti-poaching work. Oh, wow. And that would be unlike, obviously, anything that you'd worked on before. So did that mean that you stayed in the area a bit longer than a, a family visit? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I ended up at Victoria Falls and um, stayed basically as long as my visa would allow. And it was just absolutely stunning place, um, wonderful people. They're so, so resilient at... Uh, you know, we think the Aussies are fairly tough, but um, with the scenario that can end up in African countries like they have, um, where politics and greed um, end up ruling, um, it's amazing how resilient people are and they're still doing things, you know, like anti-poaching work and the likes that, um, you know, you would think would go by the wayside when the economy um, ends up as poor as it is and people are struggling. Um, yeah, so... It ended up um, quite the journey and I went back quite a few times over the ensuing years and ended up involved in um, tuberculosis and foot and mouth testing on um, wild buffalo where we were darting them from choppers and testing them and also on um, village cattle. So lots of interesting tales from those times. Ah, Absolutely. And Victoria Falls is like a very iconic part of Africa too. Yes, absolutely. It really is stunning. Um, I've had an email from a friend recently there actually saying that because of tourism being their number one um, income basically for most people around there, you know, it's very difficult to farm um, with the upheaval with um, the government and and farmers being um, kicked off and evicted from farms. Um, and with the tourism failing because of COVID, um, they've set up a feeding program where they're feeding this is Victoria Falls alone, feeding 5,000 children one meal a day um, and just the children. So it's it's really hitting those um, towns hard. So when we're talking about farming, and I guess part of that is protein farming, which would include red meat, what happens in that situation where um, you know farmers are being evicted and kicked off, yet there's still that many people to feed? There's not much of a continuity of supply there. No, um, and that's where, you know, 
the poaching become such a big issue. Um, and it just really highlighted when I was there, there was um, work being done of Alan Savory's um, with holistic management work, you know, even in that climate. And they were using cattle to create fire breaks and they were actually... Um, where there were game farms still in operation, they were using the game in a more natural way um, to, you know, start regenerating the landscapes. And that was what um, sort of triggered it for me as to, hang on a minute, you know, we've got to go back a step and look at look at what we're doing. Um, they've gone reverted back to poaching because they need food sources and you can understand that because they're starving. But... Mm. You know, it's that whole thing of everything being a cycle and um, us shortcutting because we need, you know, we want a product and we need to get it off and we need to make money and we need to survive. But we've got to take a step back and, and have a look at, you know, where it all starts and what we can do and how we can do this better to supply and feed everybody. Are people c- coming on board with that? Because my experience with um, those kind of conversations in, in Africa and my situation with Kenya, that it's not... We're not quite there yet in terms of that kind of thinking. So that's a level of frustration again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they've got some fantastic um, people, you know, working behind the scenes though. Um, there are some amazing things going on. This feeding program, it's not just that they're cooking meals um, and, you know, sourcing the the mealy meal, you know, the corn base and the likes to, to feed these kids. They've actually, as soon as COVID hit, they started a, a planting program. So they've planted vegetables all throughout the town and they've, you know, so there's some really innovative um, things going on and they've, you know, the, they know that that's where it starts and they've got the villagers just locally on board with planting produce so that they can be self-sufficient again. So basically, if you go missing at all, you know, go quiet on Facebook for a while, we will know that you're back over working in Africa. <laughs> I feel like this is a very <laughs> big part of your life still. But you did come home and you've worked here for, for quite a number of years um, and nearly 20 years as a bovine vet. So what have you noticed, what have you observed over that time about how beef cattle operations have been changed in Australia? Um, look, it, it is changing, definitely. I think uh, there's a lot of people realising that um, we do have to do things differently. There's a lot of people been doing it differently for quite some time. It's just um, like all things, you know, we don't like change and um, it takes, you know, a bit of a slap in the face sometimes or, uh, you know, a difficult economic situation or fire or whatever it might be for us to um, shift that paradigm and start thinking, hey, hang on a minute, um, what can I do differently here and how can I be better and, and do this better? Um, and that is happening a lot. We've got a great group of people here locally now so we don't feel so isolated with our changing thought processes. <laughs> so when you – so uh, sorry, just before you go on too much longer, because I guess doing something differently means something different to everybody. So when you're talking about thinking differently and doing it differently, that's the re- regenerative um, stuff that you're doing at home or is that – what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think, yes, it is the regenerative um, stuff. So we've sort of gone from thinking about, you know, managing sustainably to, no, we've got to um, do do more um, and start regenerating our landscapes. And it's um, the way of stopping that whole blame game of, you know, beef are no good, beef produce methane. 
well, hang on a minute. We've had huge herds of bison and buffalo for forever. That's part of the natural ecosystem. We're just uh, echoing that, and they are a crucial part of the process. So, And also, even with livestock handling, you know, low-stress stock handling, that's becoming more and more prevalent, and I see that as a vet, um, how people are handling their stock. The stock are happier. They're coming through better, and I think it goes right through then to the product that we produce as well. It's all interconnected you know there's again this circle um you know that we do you've been concentrating on um on your vet work for quite a time but obviously have come home now and and uh you know you've always been involved in the stud side of things too but now it's your every day and uh a few health issues too have prompted you to do things differently at home so can you tell us a little bit about what happened and um what's changed yeah, so um, I had a share in the local clinic. Um, I came home sort of nine years ago, ten years ago, home as into the district um, and was involved still with the stud side of it. And then um, I became quite unwell. I've had chronic rheumatoid arthritis my whole life and with that um, has been, you know, lots of medication over the years to manage it and with a lot of medication you get a lot of side effects. So... Um, yeah, and it was just a, a culmination of things, I think, in the end. And, um, you know, inflammatory bowel disease, leaky gut syndrome, and, you know, that then has um, a flow-on effect of having um, mental health concerns. And my doctor, who's fairly alternate over at Yapoon, he eventually said, I said, I'm managing it. And he said to me, um, Shree, people that end up with those imbalances and leaky gut and whatever... Um, they end up in jail. And I, I looked at him and I said, that is the most bizarre thing to oh, say to a patient. Yeah. And, but it hit home and, um, and he was right because, you know, all that stuff can, um, it creates chemical imbalances in the brain and then that flows on to all other issues and it all comes down to nutrition at the end of the day. So, But it does, none of it sounds fun. None of it no, sounds no, like something that you'd even want to manage on their own, let alone all together. So I guess for your own head, you sort of, yeah, of course I've got this. I've got my little boy to look after. I'm moving forward. But I guess yep. maybe it doesn't always come out like that either. No, and, and that's what you keep going up. I'm right. I've got this one day to the next. I've got this. And in the end, look, I, I realised I was not fun to work with or for. And um, so I sold my share of the clinic. And, you know, you you have someone, say, a doctor who is that blunt and forward, which was what I need. And um, he said, you know, they, with a chemical imbalance in the brain like that from all these other issues, you end up doing stupid stuff. And I said, okay. Mm. <laughs> so... I yeah I made some changes and it's been a long road but um the basis of it it just hammered home how important um nutrition is for everything. You took it next step. It wasn't just, you know, buying more vegetables at the supermarket. You you did a whole life change and down to the grazing practices even, didn't you? Yes. Well, it you know, we'd always knew that um you know, time grazing was important, um, but it's trying to implement it all, stay afloat as a business, you know, make the um, the dollars work and it's easy to just keep doing what you've always done because you know that works even though you can see that the land might be degrading. But for me, it ended up being knowing that um, I always knew nutrition was vitally important because 
you know, there's been many naturopaths my parents took me to over the years and I knew that stuff worked, but it was, when things are complex, we don't like complexity. And so it was getting to the nitty gritty of it and working it out. And basically it just comes down to our, our soils being healthy, not having chemicals in the system, but that's a process in itself. You can't just you know, cut it off. You have to wean everything off it. Um, your soils and plants are used to having fertilizers and and whatever else, and it's just you've got to break that cycle slowly. And then, yeah, planting our own, having our own vegetable garden again that that is organic. And yeah, we get bugs. You know, it's going to take time. Um, and making sure our food's nutrient dense. We're picking radishes from our multi-species pasture that the cows eat, and we're eating them ourselves. You no, know, I, I've seen a few photos of your breakfast fry-ups on Facebook, <laughs> where there's you know seven different things, and they're all from the cow cattle pasture. They look great, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's brassica, and um, this is the winter pasture that we've planted. Um, and we went from having you know oats for our cattle um, three years ago to oats plus brassica plus, um, you know, ryegrass, four species. And then this this year we're 12, you know, 12 species mix. And it's humming and it's humming in many ways. You know, it's full of bees. It's um, growing well. And we're a long way from having our soil right. But, um, you know, I, I saw fungal hyphae creeping through the cracks in the soil today and, and that gets us really excited and people walk into the pasture and it just makes you feel it makes you feel good and the cows are happy and you know the kids go crazy pulling radishes out and it's um it's really nice well, in my next life I'm coming back as a Malibu Chabre I know that but um, <laughs> but you said you know some things went backwards before you go forwards and you've got to do it slowly how have the cattle reacted because that's, you know, the bottom line at the end of the day. Yeah, look, it's, um, it's always a bit of you're learning all the time. So, um, And the mistakes are the things or the not, – not mistakes, I don't know if you've made mistakes, but they're the things oh, that yeah. you remember. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you make mistakes all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and so is my dad. So making those mis- – it's something that we're – you know, we've had to learn that um, – and still learning, but it's okay to make those mistakes because that's how we then learn, you know, that what we've got to do differently. But there's so many people, you know, out there now that are involved in all of this. Um, we're linked, very much linked up with the Fitzroy Basin Association and they've been fantastic. They bring on really great mentors um, for us because you can't know it all and you've just got to have a bit of an understanding of it and... I'm the first person to admit there are smarter people out there than me and they have their area of expertise and we have to tap into that and just keep pulling from that and using those people and their brains and their experiences and that is how, you know, we, we can move move forward with this because you can't know it all yourself. And you said that your neighbours have come on board and there's a good number of you doing it. So I, I imagine there'd be a bit of um, over-the-fence gazing to start with. Not my immediate neighbours, but, um, yeah, people certainly very close by to me and within our district. And um, I love our phone conversations now because um, they're very much, well, what are you doing and what are you doing? Oh, that didn't work and it just keeps going. You know, we share those experiences and we've got a few little Facebook groups from the different things we've done, like 
buy fertiliser courses. Um, and, yeah, it's all our disasters and our things mm. that are working. We can come back to that, but I do want to go, you know, you, you are first and foremost a beef producer um, and you got, you've got you been involved in the start, as you've said, and you've been involved with events like Beef Australia for a long time in terms of judging and, and that sort of thing. So what is it about the seed stock side of things that really interests you? I think it's really for me, you know, I've always loved um, uh, seeing that new progeny being born or that, you know, that baby um, and whether whatever animal it might be. But calves, um, they're just, you know, they're a little bit of an addiction for me, I think. It's that whole herd, herd thing I, um, that I really love. And just seeing those calves hit the ground, them meet their milestones, you know, what they're doing, um, everyone is different just like humans and everything else and and looking at the genetics behind it and um, you know collecting that data and we've only got a comparatively small you know stud herd 150 breeders but we know every individual animal and and what they've done and um, that can be really satisfying you know knowing that you're improving on those things all the time and that you're then able to sell that on to other people. You got into judging quite young too, didn't you? Yes. Um, so basically once mum and dad started with the stud and showing, I think I was about eight or nine, and um, we had a fantastic group here locally in Biloela, um that mentored us. We had Jill Galloway and Brett Coombs, um, Cole Semple, and they were the uh, adults behind the junior judging competitions and just so encouraging and we were so fortunate to have people like that in our little area and always made sure that every kid had a go. You know, it wasn't just the, the ones that got the most points and as far as public speaking went, that was the best platform um, to, you know, beat any school competition as in public speaking thing. That Junior judging was the best platform for encouraging um, kids to speak because they were speaking about something they loved. Mm. No, that's fair enough. And you, you've come back sort of full circle on that one too because certainly with the last um, Beef Australia Expo, you spent most of your time in the junior ring being one of those mentors. <laughs> yeah, um, I love the kids' stuff. I've got, you know, my own son um, and ironically he loves the farming side of things. Of course he does, yes. Yeah, yeah. But um, he doesn't like public speaking then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, actually he's really good at it. He won a public speaking competition yesterday. Oh, gosh. um, Go Cooper. Yeah, I'm just... No, he's he does love the cattle and he's a really good little little ringer. Um, But, yeah, I just... I love the kids. It's so satisfying um, because you can just see the joy and, you know, they just, they're just they just loving it. And that's the beauty about children um, and animals, I suppose. You know, there's not all that other stuff going on. Um, and just helping them on their journey, you know, encouraging them like was done for me. Um, and some of those kids, they go on to do amazing things. And I think that's what it's all about. You don't realise how much um, that little thing that we're doing, you know, could encourage them to do something more um, down the track that they really want to do within the beef industry. And, you know, announcing for the um, the, the Charbre Society, they run the schools teams judging and uh, I do all the announcing for that at um, Beef Week and I absolutely love it. Well, there was massive last time, I have to say, in the uh, 2018 event. I didn't expect that many kids there. How many did you have in the, the ring? Do you remember? 
No, but I know it was a couple of hundred. <laughs> and it, um, we always just look and think, oh, God, because you've got to make sure all the kids stay safe and um, – yeah, but don't work with uh, children and cattle, isn't that right? Like I can remember a photographer saying that to me, or um, when I first started, yeah, yeah as a journalist, and I, I feel like that's your worst nightmare than if you've got a heap of kids and a heap of cattle. Yep, yeah, we had to have the two combined, so you got to on a mass scale, on a mass scale. Yeah, you got to have your wits about you. Mm. Um, yeah, actually, when I was photographing bulls for a catalogue recently, I, I um. After a bit of a, a long episode of it, I thought, my God, kids and cattle, they really, yep, it is the same. Um, yeah. They, they, should, they throw tantrums in the same way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, they they really do get a kick out of it. And um, the team side of it, I think, is fantastic, that competition, um, because they do have to work together. And um, I think that's really satisfying to watch you know it's not just the individual um yeah they've got to work within their team within their school and they're doing it for their school as well and what would you say to the to the poor kid you know there's always going to be the overly confident kids who can handle a microphone you know like it was nothing but there's always the kid who knows their stuff and um just needs the confidence to to get out there and and to to show it what would you say to them what's your point of encouragement well, it's actually, it was interesting to watch last year. Um, there was the teams as they were coming up, there was often still discussion about who was going to speak. And sometimes it, um, the more confident speaker, they'd get right to the microphone and then they'd hand the mic to the um, kid that knew the cattle better um, because just that, that bit of knowledge gave them more confidence, I think. So, yeah, there was a lot of dynamics going on and I, in the end, just thought, oh, no, you just kick back and actually let the kids sort it out for themselves because, and sometimes if the more confident speaker started stumbling, we'd just say, hey, do you want to hand the mic on? And, um, yeah, so we we don't necessarily stick to all the rules all the time. I think it's <laughs> more important to, um, you know, that the kids have a go and they're encouraged and, and it's about building their confidence rather than um, the winning at the end of the day. And, and the judge will judge accordingly anyway. I saw um, a post again from you the other day sending, I guess this is your men- mentorship, going outside the bull ring as well, to sending a packet of, of, of well, it was more than a packet, it was like 10 packets of seeds to a, a high school in Bathurst to talk about um, beef production and regenerative agriculture. I thought that was quite amazing. What did you do there? What was that about? Um, well, a friend who uh, used to, they used to have a um, Brahmin stud and her brother's still running it. Um, she made um, the decision to go back and do teaching. Um, she had a science degree, had been on the cattle property, family cattle property, and then decided to go teaching and um, took the move to Bathurst. And yeah, so Sarah um, had put a call out for some um, seed for summer pasture. Um, and just wondering if anyone had any because she was having trouble getting a hold of it. And she teaches ag science down there now and um, wanting to plant, you know, as many different species and do a few different trials with the kids just to show them, um, you know, a diverse pasture and then monocultures um, and do little trials. And then so they know what um, produce is coming from those crops and also what um, crops 
are being fed to livestock as well. So, I yeah, I couldn't resist. I thought that was fantastic. And what an amazing! We need more science teachers like that. How idyllic! I know, but it actually snowballed, and I was really surprised. And so was Sarah. Quite a lot of comments started coming in. Can we please have some feed too? And I thought, oh heck! <laughs> oh, here's your, here's another side hustle. This is what you need, Cherie. Just you know, supplying school science departments. Yeah. <laughs> and there was all these ag ag teachers, um, yeah, chasing seed. And I thought, wow, that's really that's fantastic. I thought that was wonderful that they're doing that within their schools. Oh, absolutely! I think that's amazing. We touched briefly on it before, but you know you've been, you've been quite outspoken on mental health in the bush, and I guess a lot of what you're doing at home and the reasons behind it stem from some of those um, experiences. So, when you say mental health in the bush, and it's sort of been taboo until the last few years, what does it mean to you? Look, we—it's no secret that um, my dad has. Um, had depression since I was a teenager and um, they actually dispersed their Charolais stud uh, when I was in my early 20s, um, you know, just to help help deal with that. And um, he got up and had said at the sale um, that that was part of the reason they were selling out of the Charolais. Um, I kept a few and then carried on with Charolais later on. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it is something that I've experienced myself with my health issues and... I know I know how it feels, um, and I know how to get to it, how it is to get to a really bad um, spot and not be in control of that. But um, I'm very stubborn, and also, um, you know, I had a little boy to think about, so I had the ability to um, say I have to do something about this and to do it. And I had a really good um, GP that said, "It's not you; it's what's going on in your body." So things can be really, really complex um, and we don't appreciate that, that often there is, it's not just depression or it's not just whatever, there's underlying health issues that are actually triggering this stuff. And in the bush, you know, we're so isolated and I've found, you know, if I'm here on my own, you know, mum and dad are away, whatever, um, it can be really, if you're having a bad day, it's so easy to spiral and it's having the tools to know how to get out of that, to get off your dung heap, go somewhere else. Because when you're isolated, that's a really, you know, vicious cycle. And I think that's a huge part of um, the rural mental health um, stuff that goes on. And the vet industry is another bad one for it with the um, the pressures of that profession as well. So that's becoming uh, quite very aware of. Documented is the, is the mental health and depression levels in vets for any number of reasons. You know, obviously taking nothing away from your experience, but I just want to go back a step to your dad because that would have been um, incredibly hard to watch um, at that point because I guess, you know, dads are usually, you know, um, nothing can hurt them. So to watch him struggle with it and then own it and then, you know, come out of that, what was what was that like to, to be part of his experience? It's it's never easy being um, the person, and I think that's why I am so aware of it and so aware of what um, you know I have to do with my health issues. So um, for me, it's been a huge thing because that's um, helped me step right through everything. And I think that just um, other people saying, "Hey, hang on a minute, I'm not the only one," um, and being you know conscious of that, I think that. Just speaking it out loud and um, people don't feel alone that, you know, 
it's isolated just to them, this problem. Um, and yeah, it was tough. I mean, we had a Charolais start. I was getting to an age where I was very involved in it. Um, and, and then, you know, it was gone. So, um, but it was necessary and those decisions do have to be made. And it's something we're doing all the time because, um, these things don't just go away and it is a part of my dad's life and it is a part of the family's life and consequently. So, um, yeah, it's just something that you're just continually managing and you've got to have the tools to do that. Well, you must be very lucky to have each other to have built up. You know, I guess it's never hard to make the decision to sell on such a big scale and get out of an industry that you're obviously very passionate about. So to be able to do this together now must um, be incredible for both of you. Yeah, it is. I mean, we have our um, ups and downs. Oh, you're a family business. That goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. We're all yeah. human, Cherie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, the family businesses that seemingly run perfectly, I think, really? No, they're <laughs> anyway. not. Uh, um, they're yeah, in denial, no, we, if you are. <laughs> yeah, look, that whole thing of um, the shifting paradigms and, and shifting how we think about things and our beliefs, um, it's hard and we I'm very naturally inquisitive um, I guess and I've always asked too many questions and I always <laughs> look at everything um, I can relate and, to this yeah <laughs> <laughs> and always wondering um, you know can I do this better and it's not so much about um, being bigger and better it's just with what we've got um, how can we do this better um, for the environment, for ourselves, for our animals, um, and for the people around us. You know, and look, we drive—I drive myself and my parents crazy at times with this new stuff. But um, and there's trial and error, and some things haven't worked as well because I haven't quite understood how it should have gone. And that's why I keep going back to these mentors, you know, Stuart Andrews and Kim Cruz, and. Um, the people at FBA and using those brilliant minds to, you know, keep moving forward with this. It certainly is going to be a long-term project, but one that obviously is kicking some goals for you. I do, everyone that's come on this podcast has been asked the same question and, you know, we will see your face at Beef 21, which was very exciting, but we're here because of Beef. What's your favourite beef cut? Like if not a show-off family, you know, show-off, friends over for dinner what's your favorite cut on like a Tuesday or Wednesday night (laughs) um with hmm. all of your you know vegetables from the cow paddock (laughs) I think good old t-bone that's my yeah and um last night we had uh crumb t-bone but our crumb t-bone because we're gluten Intolerant, dairy intolerant, <laughs> and so on. Is um, you know cornflake crumbs and egg, um, egg from the chooks and our chooks. So yeah, and I don't think you can beat that from one of our own own um, charbrays. Yeah, so absolutely. That's our, um, yeah, I think that's hard to beat. Although we also have um, meat sheep, so oh, <laughs> they see, come this in is, a lot too. I I thought you did, and so now I'm curious as to you know. You, Everything that you eat is homegrown, all the vegetables, the eggs, the meat. 
what do you go to the supermarket for or do you even bother? <laughs> I feel like you've just got this all covered. No, not really. I mean, you have periods. Um, winter's great here, but being central Queensland, it's a lot harder through summer to grow enough stuff. But, oh, look, yeah, no, we still have to go to the supermarket. Oh, we probably don't have to, but we do go to the supermarket. I don't get round. No, I don't get round to making yogurt or, you know, coconut <laughs> milk or whatever. Oh, so. Because you were making yep. me feel pretty bad before. So, no, that's no, great. No. <laughs> well, look, Cherie no. Gooding, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to, um, to join us on What's Your Beef? Thank you very much for having me. Beef Australia is proudly supported by our principal partners. Thanks to the Australian Government Department of Agriculture, Water and the Environment, the Queensland Government, Meat and Livestock Australia and the Rockhampton Regional Council. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.